Welcome to Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill, and I'll be leading you on this adventure. We'll be getting into deep discussions about classic records, profiles on up-and-coming bands, and interviews with your favorite artists. You can check out new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe and never miss out. How many times does a debut record smash you across the face like Street Cleaner by Godflesh? Earache Records delivered this monument to anguish, desolation, and bleakness on November 13, 1989. Randy and I got together and discussed how impactful the record was on us and shared some stories about our misadventures in trying to see Godflesh live. One of the coolest things about Godflesh's Street Cleaner album is that it is a record that most people consider to be kind of like their classic album, but it's also their debut. When have you seen that before? <laughs> you know, like uh, a band coming out right out of the box like that with such a great album. Yeah, there's not many examples I can think of. Uh, I'm sure there's a few, but uh, yeah, I mean, for years I didn't realize that it was actually their debut album. I thought the self-titled album was their debut album, but that ended up being released after this. Yeah, chronologically, that material was uh, recorded previous to Street Cleaner Sessions, but uh, when they signed to Earache, uh, Digby Pearson, um, you know, he coerced them into... <laughs> actually, I don't know if coerce is a good word to use, but he suggested that they uh, shelve those songs... And focus on making an LP for right. their earache debut. Right. And uh, that's what they did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the way they went about making it was kind of strange. Yeah. And we'll get into that. First, let's get the particulars down here. Okay. The release date for Godflesh Street Cleaner was November 13th, 1989 on Earache Records. Recorded... Uh, the sessions actually took place, like you, like we just mentioned, in two different locations at two different times. And uh, for those out there who don't know, the band is Justin Broderick, guitar vocals, programming, and G.C. Green, bass. Arguably, you could say there's a third member of Godflesh. Sure. The early days. Yeah. And it's not what you're thinking. Okay. You're thinking it's Paul Neville. I was thinking that, yes. I say it's the Alesis HR-16 drum machine. Point taken. Which is a huge part yeah. of the sound of early Godflesh, especially yeah. Street Cleaner. Touche. No offense to Paul Neville. Yeah, no. Fantastic uh, job. Yeah. But that drum machine is a huge part of the sound of Street Cleaner and some of the records to follow. Yeah, so we'll, I mean, we'll get to his actual contribution in the band, too. Right. Uh, now, he wasn't, you know. On the scheme of things, it was a minor yeah. contribution. But. It could be looked at that way. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Godflesh formed in 88 in Birmingham, UK. And that was like a, you know, a pretty happening spot, really. Think about Birmingham. The great Black Sabbath is from Birmingham. I've heard of them. <laughs> so, they released a self-titled EP called Godflesh on an independent label called called uh, Swordfish Records. Godflesh Street Cleaner was recorded in three distinct sessions. Yep. Okay. 
The first half of the record was recorded at Soundcheck Studios in Birmingham with Broderick and Green acting as producer or engineer. All right, so tracks one through five were recorded in the first chunk of uh, production. And those songs are like Rats, Christ Bait Rising, Pulp, Dream Long Dead, and Head Dirt. And then they went to Derby to record uh, songs six through ten. And that's when Paul Neville was involved. Yes. Now, previous to Godflesh's existence, Paul Neville was in a band with Broderick and Green called Fall of Because. Do you, uh, are you have you heard them? Yeah, I mean, I, I own a. I was in uh, Newberry Comics. Seems to be a recurring yeah, man. with me. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in it. And I'm looking through the Godflesh section, like maybe six, seven years ago. I had heard the name Fall of Because, and I heard an association with Broderick, although I didn't know what. And uh, they had the CD. It's like Fall of Because. It's like a great cover. It's like three dollars. So I bought it. Could be wrong on this, but I'm gonna take a shot. I think Justin Broderick plays drums on that. I don't know about that, but yeah, I, I, think. I could. I know that he uh, he is a drummer because I think in uh, Head of David he played drums. Okay, yeah, I could be thinking of that then. Yeah, but I mean, maybe he did because I mean Neville and he's a guitarist. Green right. is a uh, bass player, right? So you know, maybe they needed a drummer, and Justin Broderick stepped in. Yeah, you know, um, so. That uh, those those last songs, the last the six through ten, those tracks are Devastator, Mighty Trust Crusher, Life Is Easy, Street Cleaner, and Locust Furnace, and that makes uh, up that session. Now, um, prior to them signing the earache, they had an EP uh, called Tiny Tears, and uh, that was recorded in yet another session, obviously because <laughs> it came out prior to this whole operation here. And those songs would be Tiny Tears, Wound, Deadhead, and Suction. Okay. Now, something to note here. Back in uh, 89, when Earache put this record out, 
the LP only had the first, had 10 songs on it. Those songs I just mentioned, one through 10. And then the CD version of that, they tagged on the Tiny Tears EP. Yes. <clears throat> now, back when I was a young lad and I picked up uh, Godflesh Street Cleaner, I got the CD. So I was unaware. I thought that that was the whole jam, that all, you know, 14 of those songs are on the record. Right. Yeah. Uh, I had the opposite experience. Okay. I, I bought the cassette version. Okay. I had a cassette player in my car at the time. I did not know those songs were not on the cassette or LP. So uh, years later, when I bought a reissue of it, I thought those were just added on years later. Only now do I realize those were actually released on the CD version early on. But I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't. I uh, I didn't even know that. I just assumed that was all one continuous uh, session that they did. I didn't realize it was broken up. Now the follow because like I, you know what, I didn't. It, it actually, I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't even know about that band until I started researching this record. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I never heard of it. And then I downloaded the material and I was like, wow, this is like... It's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the Fall Because material ended up actually becoming Godflesh songs. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The track Devastator, Mighty Trust Crusher, Life is Easy and Merciless. The song Merciless. Now, Merciless appeared on a later record. Later record, yeah. It's one of my favorites, actually. It's a great song, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, that that song actually originally was was a uh, Follow Because record song. Do you know if they're on the Follow Because album? They're on the, st- the MP3s that I downloaded. All right. I don't uh, know if they're on I the I have album. to go dig out the CD when I get home and see if this stuff's on there. Yeah, I mean, they probably sound... I mean, they do sound different. Actually, Merciless sounds... Similar. Similar, but like... Not as mechanical. Okay. You know, but it's, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's information I didn't know. So, but, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting about that. Now, um, people often cite Godflesh as being the first industrial metal band. Now, uh, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I don't know if it's true either, but I, when I thought about this earlier, because, uh, you know, I was doing a little, uh, taking some notes here. Uh, I couldn't really think of any other band that you could uh, put that tag on besides Godflesh. I'm sure maybe maybe you can. I don't know, man, because uh, I'm trying to think. When I actually heard Godflesh, it was uh, not 1989. It was in the 90s. I was, I'm going to say that uh, I think it was like Rolling Stone or Spin or something like that put out a um, like some sort of earache article. It was about grindcore music, all right? Okay. And I was I remember reading through this thing and I was like, "Oh, grindcore! That's like never heard that before." So it had to be maybe ninety two, ninety three, that some somewhere in that time frame. And uh, they talked about Morbid Angel. They talked about Deicide. They talked about uh, Carcass, and they talked about Godflesh in the same fucking article as those other bands, only because I, they were on the same label. Well, no, that's not true. Well, also, Justin Broderick was in Napalm Death, exactly. another band right. that I failed to mention. But Right. But, I mean, I, I just find it interesting. I don't know. I, if I were to write an article about Grindcore, I wouldn't put, um, I wouldn't put Godflesh in it. No, I, I wouldn't either today or even 10 or 15 years ago. But maybe back then... 
things weren't as defined. And you know what I mean? Uh, death metal, grindcore, and whatever the hell Godflesh was doing. I think maybe we were a little at, more at home together than they would be now. Now there's clear lines defined. Yeah, maybe I think at my mindset at that time, though, was like, I mean, I didn't, I was just finding out about like death metal and like all this other stuff. Like I, right. I had found out about those bands. Like I sought those bands out after reading that article. And I thought Morbid Angel was like the coolest name I'd ever heard. And I was <laughs> like, man, this is a, that name is awesome. I was like, Morbid Angel just sounds like exactly the kind of thing I wanted to listen to, you know? Right, right. And um, and then the Godflesh stuff. And I remember I bought a bunch of these records all around the same time. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I, I didn't even know if I liked it, man. I was like, the vocals sound like they're at the wrong speed. Like, <laughs> is that a drum machine? I'm like, I don't know. These other bands have like these fast drums and everything. I didn't really know what was going on. And I wasn't sure. I uh, The one thing I did know is the record scared me more than the, the death metal records did. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I think it had that similar effect on me as well. Yeah. I was getting into that stuff, you know, kind of the same way you did. Like, I was finding out about the earache stuff kind of all at the same time. So, check out Morbid Angel. Check out Napalm Death. And, got you know, I got into Godflesh through... I was playing in a band from Boston at the time called The Rise. And one of the guys in that band was into all the earache stuff. And he's like, oh, man, you got to check out this band, Godflesh. Check out Godflesh, you know. So, that's how I got turned on to Godflesh. But yeah, it was... It is weird with them being categorized with those other bands or grouped in with those other bands, but I think it's just more of a sign of the time. Yeah, I think than so. Anything else? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was like, you know, I was in this piece that I read about them. They were referencing something called industrial music, right? And I, you know, I, I had no idea about that stuff. You know, what I mean, I had no idea what it even was. Not right? me neither. And, um. You know, some time went by, and uh, you know, I was, I was trying to hang out with these girls, and uh, you know, we went to some goth type club. You know, they played industrial music there. Okay, part of the um, thing that was going on there was they would also show videos on a screen. Okay, so I saw the head like a hole video by Nine Inch Nails. All right, <laughs> and I was like, "Who the hell is it? What's going on?" I didn't even hear the song because they were just playing the videos. And there was just like other DJ music going on. There was like, you uh, know, like Bauhaus or whatever. Okay. And Sisters of Mercy was playing. Or, right. And I asked this girl, I was like, what is that? And she's like, oh, that's Nine Inch Nails, right? I'm like, Nine Inch Nails? Like, that sounds tough, man. You know, like <laughs> Nine Inch Nails. Like, what the fuck would you do with Nine Inch Nails? Driving through your fucking skull, you know? Like, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I sought out Nine Inch Nails. And it was that, I think it was the record Pretty Hate Machine, I think was the one that was, uh, that had like a whole song was on. And um, so I checked that out and I'm like, okay, you know, it's all right. I mean, I, I don't know if I really like it. Like, and then I did some reading in like some, you know, Rolling Stone or whatever fucking magazine was around and they talked about ministry. I'm like, okay, ministry. You know, th at the time that, um, it wasn't Psalm 69. No, that's like the metal. Yeah, it was the one right. prior to that one, which Shit. still was pretty metal. So I, I bought that album because I, I went through the record store and it looked evil, you know? And I was like, this looks pretty you know, pretty intense, man, pretty evil. So I, I picked that up. And I was like starting to, to like create like 
parallels between this Godflesh record and these other bands that people were calling industrial and that the word industrial was being thrown around in the, in the article I read about Earache Records right. and Godflesh. And I think I was creating a context from which I could understand what Godflesh was actually doing. I did not get into ministry or Nine Inch Nails back then. Uh, it, the connection I made to what industrial was, you know, coming up through mostly punk and hardcore stuff, that's my introduction to all this stuff. There's a, a record that I believe it originally came out on Wax Tracks, okay. which was an industrial label from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, it was a record called Palehead. Mm. It was Ian e. Mackay e. and Mackay, Al Jorgensen. Ian e. Mackay yeah. and Al Jorgensen. So I found out about ministry through that. I was like, who the, who the hell? What the hell is this? Like, Ian e. Mackay's on this record and there's like, there's all these like weird sounds. And like, that was kind of my introduction to industrial music and made the, connected the dots with ministry. So when I had heard Godflesh, I sort of was like, oh, this is sort of similar to that. Probably just because of the drum machines. Yeah. More than anything else. But that was kind of my version of connecting the dots, like right. you're saying. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the, the, the takeaway, though, is that Godflesh is not an easy band to, like, digest, I guess, right away. No, because Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, Palehead, those records, you could argue some of the later Ministry had a very metal edge to them, but those early Nine Inch Nails records, early Ministry records, those are not metal at all. Well, early, early, but that... um. You know, like I said, they they be, sort of took this like coat. This they started wearing this like metal coat, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, another band that's definitely worth mentioning, more so for the industrial, but there is this weird sort of metal thing that you could find in there. And a band that I know heavily influenced Godflesh was the Swans. Well, I'm getting to that. Too. Okay, I don't okay. mean to jump ahead yeah, here. No, but... definitely, because like. Around that time, I didn't even know who the Swans were. I did not. Like, I had no idea who the Swans were in, like, 1992 or whatever. So, um, around that time, I had started reading the the work, the written work of Henry Rollins. Mm -hmm. Okay? You know, it was, like, early, you know, 213-61 releases of his books. You know, Black Coffee Blues and, you know, Watch a Grown Man Cry, like, all that kind of stuff. And, um... He, he oftentimes, a lot of bands that I like are into, like Beast of Bourbon, The Birthday Party, and The Swans, are artists that I found out through reading Henry Rollins' books. Sure. Okay. So, I, I was Swans. I'm like, oh, I've heard that name before. You know, probably those chicks like mentioned it or something, the Swans, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this sounds cool. Like, you know, it's. So I, I went and I dug up uh, Cop by The Swans. And. You know, it was like a pretty heavy duty record. Yeah, that that record has to make an impact on you the first yeah. time you hear it, positive or negative. Yeah, you're not going to forget that record. And you know, and, and at the time, I was like, wow, I've never heard anything like this before. Right. And I was like, drawn to just the angst, the raw angst and emotion and raw nerves of the whole thing, and yeah, the plotting, you know, kind of brood, brooding vibe on the whole album, the bleakness to it. Now this was the missing ingredient of the bridge I was trying to build between all these bands. Because, you know, you got Nine Inch Nails is like a pop band, basically. Right. You know? I, I, I didn't 
pursue any more records after them. Yeah, especially them. early on. This yeah. stuff is very... Yeah, I, I you know, checked it out. Wasn't into it. Right. Ministry stuff, I, I like ministry fine. All right. But there is still like, it's not, it's not as evil sounding as like, no. you know, the swans. The swans. And, and also the ministry stuff was faster. It had like a higher, like a, like a quicker tempo to it. Right. Swans were like, you were just stuck in like this in hell, like in quicksand or something. You're just like drowning in quicksand. Listen to that. And the beats and the tempos are what made me think of that Godflesh record, Street Cleaner. And then it start, that's when it started making sense to me. It was like like six months later after I'd bought that album, I finally was coming back to being like, oh, I should listen to this more. And then I started really appreciating it. But right. it was like a slow burn with me. Yeah, I could, I could see that, man. It's not, it's not an easy record to digest right away, especially for the time. That's an important thing, the context of the time of when that came out. Now there's tons of bands that have tried to you know, recreate that. So it's not really as back then it was kind of shocking. Yeah. For you know, sure. Like, what the hell is this? The sound doesn't sound like anything else. No, I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, unique. And especially when, you know, I, I bought Morbid Angel, Alters of Madness, you know, and then I bought Godflesh Street Cleaner and I expected to hear the same kind of thing, you know? Right. I mean? And then it was like, Oh wow, this is like, something else right you know and um yeah i don't know it's just and then like their career after i, I became like a, a huge fan after after i the swans was like what made me like Godflesh more because i was able to understand what the hell they were doing i could see that yeah yeah you know the vocals are all down tuned and everything and right now another thing too is that record really is the only record by Godflesh that sounds that way 
Uh, yeah, I agree. And they've gone on. I mean, a lot of their records are, are huge departures from the previous records. Like, yeah. They have some records that obviously sound similar, but they have a lot of records that are uh, that sound nothing alike. Yeah. Uh, especially like Street Cleaner. <laughs> yeah. The follow-up album, I believe, was Pure. Yes. Has elements of Street Cleaner. Not nearly as dark. And it's like more stripped down in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, like... Yes. You know, when you listen to um, Street Cleaner, there's layer upon layer of feedback and like guitars and like and the guitar is not being used in a metal way like it's like very rhythm rhythm heavy and it's the guitars pr- are just like these screeching textures in there right it, uh not in a traditional way but it's a very psychedelic record yeah you know not in the way probably a lot of people think of psychedelic music but i get that out of that record for sure yeah for sure and it's like um so yeah i mean the other Subsequent records, I feel like weren't as like layered maybe as um, as Godflesh uh, Street Cleaner, except. But then again, their new album actually has a little bit of that, though it's completely different, though. It is, and not not to get off track too much, but like their their newest album is one of my favorite Godflesh albums. Yeah, for sure, mine too. I, I think it's amazing. In a way, I think it kind of combines. It's like sort of a, like a reprise of Street Cleaner through like what he did in Yezu, I think. Yeah. You know, there's like um you know, that that sort of layered brooding like discordance that you can find on Street Cleaner. And but then there's also the kind of almost like shoegaze elements of um of Yesu on the on the new Godflesh record. Right. You know, and it's like really um you know, it's I like it. It's the best album I think they that he's they've done since since like the '90s, really. I, I agree. Know? I agree, man. I I can't shove that record down people's throats fast enough. Yeah. Everyone, because a lot of people, you know, seem to be off the Godflesh train. You think so? As far as newer releases, huh? And I'm like, you got to check this out. You got to check it out. There's some there were some non-believers out there who I think I've converted. I don't need to mention any names. Okay. But, yeah. um, There's no need for that. Real quick to, to connect the dots between the Swans, Godflesh thing, like you were saying. I got into Godflesh before I got into the Swans. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I heard the Swans mentioned. Uh, I heard Neurosis mention the Swans. Mm-hmm. I would see their releases in the store, and I was always intrigued by them. They always had, like, a uniform look to most of them. Yeah. So when I was on tour in 96 uh, – we played a show in Milwaukee, uh, a basement show. We stayed with this guy, Matt, which I, I didn't stay in touch with the guy, but wish I would have. He was a really cool guy. Uh, after the show, we stayed at his house, and we were in his uh, living room or whatever, and he was listening to records. We're hanging out, drinking. So he pulled out Swan's Cop, oh yeah, which was also there. my introduction, yeah. as, you, as well as you, to the Swans. And I was blown away. He took that record off. He put on Street Cleaner. Mm, okay there you <laughs> go just a coincidence but when he did that it made me like you connect the dots of oh wait a minute i see what's you know it made more sense to me even though i liked godflesh mm-hmm. uh, it made a lot more sense to me like oh i bet you these guys were influenced by the swans yeah it was uh yeah the thing too is back when i first heard the band i i, I associated drum machines with like you know flock of seagulls and like you know like <laughs> not with a metal not band. with anything heavy or bleak or evil you know any, no. I, I associated drum machines with with like dance music you know right. what i mean and that was one of the early things that that kind of one of the reasons why i never in the beginning 
it took me a minute to really get into ministry because I was like, oh, these guys use drum machines. You know, it's like, you know, I, I know that's like a very ignorant sort of way of looking at things. But at the time, I was a young, you know, I was younger. I only liked certain things. Right. We're not young guys. Yeah. Like so back, back then, it's back like. Back then, it was a little different. Yeah. Like, you know, I was listening to like, you know, hardcore and punk and, you know, death metal and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and you know, hard rock where, you know, drum machines were like techno and like disco music and. Right. You know, stuff like that. And though I though I was becoming, I was very much aware of like Public Enemy, you know, and hip hop. Me too. I still didn't quite connect all that stuff with like creating a band like Godflesh. No, 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 no. No, me neither. The hip hop thing, I was into old hip hop like that too. Yeah. I just, but that was hip hop. That yeah. was a different thing. You know, and the only thing prior to that to me was like that bring the noise, like Anthrax, Public Enemy thing. and like, Right. Right. You know, there was like the, you know, run DMC and Aerosmith, you know, and it's like, those are way, way different than what we're talking about here. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, um, though I have to say that um, Public Enemy, you know, had the same kind of impact as like metal, really, in some ways. I mean, when I would listen to Public Enemy, it would give me the same feeling sometimes, like when I, when I would be listening to like, you know, more, more like brutal stuff you know what i mean because it just had like it was like the, the tempo was like a little faster definitely you know? yeah and it had like the super militant vibe this like super violent like thing going on you know definitely man i yeah i uh public enemy uh nation of millions to hold us back to me is a, it's a top 10 album probably for me you're blind baby you're blind from the facts oh y'all because you're watching that garbage The woman makes the men all pause And if you got a woman, she might make you forget yours There's a five-letter word that describe her character But her brain's being washed by an actor And every real man that tries to approach Comes a close thing comes and gets just like a rope I don't think I can handle it She goes channel to channel Oh, looking for that hero She watched Channel Zero She watched, she watched, she watched, she watched I think it's the best. I mean, not that I'm an expert on hip hop, I'm not, but I know yeah. what I like. And to me, that's a top, a top, the best hip hop album ever made. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if this would fit in our parameters on what we do here, <laughs> but that would be a great episode. That could be cool. Yeah. That's such a great record. I think we should maybe do that. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Yeah. If anyone wants to hear that, let us know for sure. But we'd yeah. be up for it. But but yeah, I was able to. I guess um, listening to uh, the Swans, like I was able to get over that aversion to drum machines and you know, and guitar music. You know what I mean. But whether or not they were the first industrial metal band, that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. chronologically. I don't know where they fall. Yeah, so I was having a hard time thinking of someone else that would you know take that crown, but. You know, I'll give it to them. Yeah. The only other band I can think of, I think they might even have had a record out around the same time, but their label mates, Pitch Shifter. Right, Pitch Shifter. You know, but I don't know if they came up before or after Godflesh. I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah. Did you ever get into them? I tried. Yeah. Not really, no. I think uh, the only, I mean, this is my opinion, of course, is uh, their first album, aptly titled Industrial. <laughs> 
is <laughs> <laughs> probably uh that's probably the only in my opinion the one that you should check out if you want to get into something you know by them yeah the other ones they got they kind of i lost interest in them i mean i i got i checked them out just because i checked everything out on Eurek at that time right right so what's the story that you have about Godflesh? You're, you're teasing this story earlier. <laughs> well, about... yeah, we're talking about seeing Godflesh live, which, you know, it's not an easy feat in the States. Uh, I know you said you've seen him at Maryland Death Fest. Yep. I've seen him a few times. Um, I did not. I seen him after that on their first comeback tour. Um in Boston. That was the first time I'd seen him. So it was after you had seen him. But in 1992, it could be 90, 91, 92, in the area, in that area, Yep. I went to see Godflesh perform at a venue in Providence called Club Babyhead. Just did a lot of hardcore metal shows back in the day. Tiny room. And, uh, I ended up fighting with my girlfriend in the parking lot. That's oh, no. And you missed it. And I did not see the show. No. So I was there. I was in the parking lot in 1992. The chance to see them in their prime. And I chose to fight with uh, my girlfriend at the time in the parking lot. That's a real tragedy, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I miss them in the in their heyday too. I mean, I I don't you know it's like one of those things. Like I said, like in the beginning, I wasn't quite sold on it the way I am now. Now I'm all about Godflesh. I mean, I when nineteen by the nineteen ninety six ninety five ninety six, I like was a a total fan. Like I was like way you know big into them, you know, and neurosis and all yep. that stuff in the same era, you know. But in the early '90s, it wasn't it wasn't like a priority of mine to see them. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of ironic that like at that time I, w- I didn't really get it, and now to me it's like Godflesh Street Cleaner is like right a, one of the most important records I think I've ever heard. In my That's opinion. why we're talking about it. Yeah, right. But I do remember hearing about them. Like, of course, they were on that big Eric tour with um, with Napalm Death, the Grind Crusher, the, the Grind Crusher tour. That was like a big. You know, big. That was their first time to the states, I believe. I believe so. And there's also a compilation that accompanied that, or or happened because of that tour called Grind Crusher, I believe. Right? Aptly titled again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? But yeah. And then, uh, oddly enough, I remember uh, when I lived in Boston, there was like um, a show announced, and I missed it because I wasn't in town. It was at the Rat Skeller, the the uh, late great. Rathskeller, a.k.a. The Rat. Right. Which was kind of like the Boston CBGBs. You yep. know, both clubs, like, now defunct. Long defunct at this point. That was uh, Godflesh and VOD. Okay. You know? That's another shot I had to see Godflesh on yeah. that tour. They played in Danbury, Connecticut. At a Danbury, called, Connecticut? Tuxedo Junction. I know that place. And I chose not to go. And I, if, I believe we're talking about the same tour. That was the tour for Songs of Love and Hate. I think you're right. Which featured yeah. a drummer. Yeah. Um, Ted Parsons. Ted Parsons, yep. correct. Who, was in, who ended up becoming the drummer in Yesu and who was also in the Swans. Yes. And was also in Prong. 
Yes. Yeah. So he so was like, that would have been great. That was like 96, 97, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So that was the same tour. Uh, I said, I said I didn't go. I didn't go because I found out about it the day after, which yeah. is a common thing back in the late eighties, early nineties to find out about shows after they happened. Yeah. There was no Facebook groups or like uh Facebook events or anything. No. You had to look in like the Boston Phoenix or something like that, or find a flyer. Right. You know, look in a newspaper to see like if what shows were coming happening. Like, so yeah, I missed, I missed all these like opportunities through the nineties to see, to see, um, Godflesh. Real quick, one more missed opportunity to see Godflesh was when they released their final album before their hiatus in the Yezu uh, startup was Hymns. Oh, yeah. It's also featured Ted Parsons yeah. on the drums, I believe. There was a U.S. tour booked. Ah, yes. With High on Fire and, I believe, Halo from Australia. Oh, yeah, okay. That would have been great. Yeah, Halo was ended up coming to the States and they played some scattered shows. Actually recorded a record in a friend of mine's basement while they were here. Um, because they were here with nothing to do because Godflesh did not come over here. What a fucking nightmare that must have been, man. Yes. You're all stoked. You got all your stuff together. You're flying from fucking Australia. That's like a 40-hour, some crazy length of time. You're like, fly to the United States. You get off the plane. Oh, guess what, guys? I hate to tell you, but Godflesh decided they're canceling. Because it was literally the, at the 11th yeah. hour they canceled yeah. the tour. Because I remember that tour. The, yeah, the, the, the urban legend was like they were at the airport and then just didn't get on the plane for whatever reason. I yeah. don't know the particulars of it. But they're very disappointing to me. Because uh, you know, High and Fire, they, they just put out a, their first album, which I thought was awesome. And uh, I liked Halo too. And I was like, wow, what, Halo a, was what really an amazing good. tour this is going to be. And then like, it didn't happen. Halo so, was really interesting. Man. I only have that first thing they did. Do they have more records out? I think they have like three or four records. Really? I should look in. And they're all... Cool for yeah. sure. All uh, a, a Godflesh feel to a lot of the Halo. Oh stuff. yeah, I picked up on that right away. Yeah, definitely. totally. So another cool band to check out is Halo. If you're in the Godflesh, not around anymore, but yeah. I don't think. But yeah, that's that's having to scramble for shows like that. I'm I'm surprised they even and that was like a full U.S. tour, so that was I like believe. 30 days of just being in the states. Yeah, with no income. That sucks. And they did they stay the whole time? Do you I know? don't think so. I think they ended up staying for a week or two and trying to piece together a few Ugh. shows on the East Coast and then ended up just uh, going back home. And you um, know those shows sucked. Of course. Because like maybe the one in Philly might have been good because they were on relapse. Right. And that's probably and all you know, and then like trying to like that's the thing that a lot of European or or not so much well, Europeans and people from other countries and Australia and New Zealand, maybe not so much Australia, because there's only like five cities you can play there <laughs> right realistically like, yeah the scope of touring the united states i think escapes some people um yeah so that was the third time i had the experience of seeing Godflesh live door slammed in my face when they canceled that tour but i got to see him so yeah yeah i didn't see them until they played maryland death fest when they sort of came back right you know and uh i remember napalm death and Godflesh both played and I was like really excited about that, and it, they got off to a little bit of a shaky start too, man. Because I know that's always like the, you know you, you always hear these stories about these like technical malfunctions that always happen during, and I and I saw that happen to Yesu too. Uh, so did I. Because I've seen Yesu a few times, and I think 
there's oftentimes a lot of those times there was problems with like technical things, you know? And, um, so yeah, they got off to a weird start, but, uh, the set actually ended up being pretty awesome and it was everything I wanted it to be. Yeah. The one, the one time I, you know, I'd seen them, they were no technical problems. They just delivered. They were yeah. great. And I've seen them like maybe two or three times since then. So like all the other classic record episodes that we do, we're going to do our top three songs for uh for this particular release and um you know so what's your uh your top three for this one randy i'm gonna go with track two christbait rising track four dream long dead and the title track street cleaner we're a little bit different on this one but we do have one thing in common here i have a mighty trust crusher Street Cleaner, primarily because of the Bernhard Getz intro. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's like, you know, pretty pretty dark. Yes, it is. You know? And then uh, Deadhead, which technically isn't really on this record, if you think about it. Right, that was from the Tiny Tears EP that yeah. was tacked on to the compact disc version. Yeah. And... um. Yeah, that record has a very different feel, man. It's funny. It's like it does. I remember when I got the CD originally, listening to it and making it to the end, and being like, "Oh, like this is the same band that's doing this evil shit that was before that." Right. Because those songs had like, um, you know, like a melodic sensibility to them. Yeah, I noticed uh, when I was getting off the exit, not <laughs> long before arriving here today, uh, Deadhead was on. And I, it really, for the first time ever, really kind of like really jumped out on how different it, it was compared to the earlier tracks on Street Cleaner. Yeah. You know, and that, that particular song, like, you know, I always thought was a great track, you know. But yeah, so, uh, you know, God Flesh Street Cleaner. It's in our personal Hall of Fame now. Definitely. You know, I guess that's what these episodes are. are. Are, in, a, in a way, we can look at him that way as a, as a you know Hall of Fame. Yeah. So, so anyway, thanks for listening once again. We appreciate all the support, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. been listening to metal matters a gimme radio podcast we'll be back next week so be sure to subscribe and never miss out also be sure to check out gimme radio via web ios or android for one of the best metal communities in the world exclusive interviews and merch and so much more